It turned out that I had a very rare susceptibility to hypnosis uh, that I didn't know about. I felt something change in me. I felt something controlling me. I remember seeing this dark cloaked image with a bony finger and he had my parents in a dome and he said you'll never see your parents again. And I remember at one point waking up and noticing that the street lights were his eyes. And I felt that presence of that force once again. And it was as if I could hear him speaking. And he said, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And I said, no, I don't want you here. And it was as if a veil pulled back and that fiery face that tormented me when I was a child that I saw and haunted me in my dreams and all of those things was there. It was coming back again from when I was three and a half years old or four years old. And I said, I'll kill you. In the meantime, <laughs> my mom had called the police. They came in. They heard me say, I'll kill you. When the first one came, I threw him 10 feet across the room, a little 16-year-old skinny kid throwing a big cop. So they knew something was up. I don't know where, I didn't know where the power came from, but it was something that uh, definitely got their attention. And they took me uh, to the hospital and they were trying to figure out what it was. They, it was so unusual and so different. They had never seen anything like that. We were in synagogue on Friday nights and on Saturday mornings, and it was always a part of our life. We were helping to meet the minion for the Minchin Marv service, and it was wonderful. And all I wanted to do was do something that would please God. But I wondered what about the relationship with God when I see in the scriptures when it talked about Avraham and Yitzhak and, uh, and Yaakov having a relationship, an intimate relationship with God. I said, how come we don't have that? In my freshman year of college, uh, I was living off campus. I was keeping kosher, I wore my yarmulke, I was doing all these things. I was with my roommate, we had some things that happened that were very unusual and made me feel very uh, under pressure. I felt the presence of that force again that I hadn't experienced since high school and I thought that was all done and I got really nervous and in that moment I found myself quietly asking God what am I doing here what am I doing here and then it came up in that process the issue with my roommate about Jesus and I thought oh, gosh it's a setup this is crazy I said God Jesus is real. I couldn't even say the name. It was such, so anathema to me. And as I said it, I felt something stirring up and rising up in my stomach. And I thought, whoa, what is this? And I tried it one more time. And it happened. I said, you know what? I, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to sleep. So the next day, my friends asked me, uh, and my roommate and his friends asked if I wanted to go to church with them. And I said, what do I want to go there for? And inside, something said, you need to go there. There's something I need to see. I just knew I had to be there, but I had never been in a church. And it was the last place I would have thought to go. Kind of thought they believed in three gods, spoke Latin in church, and hated Jews. And so I assumed Jesus was the biggest anti-Semite of them all. Because that's the one they claimed we killed. And that was the one that they claimed was at the forefront of everything they believed. Uh, but at the end, he, he, they did an altar call and 2,000 people, about 100 people went forward. And then he said, there's one more person that wants to come forward. 
and nobody went forward. And I started to think, yeah, I think it's me. And then he says from the front, you know who you are. I said, yeah, but I, I can't do this. He says, you can do this. I thought, is he reading my mind? And all of a sudden he says, I'm not a mind reader, but I'm just saying what God tells me to say. And this went back and forth for a while and nobody went up. And then finally I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do this. I'm not doing this. And I felt that force again. I said, oh, I want to do this. Well, by the time I wrestled to do it, I stood as he said, everybody be seated. And I'm the only one standing. And I could just feel everybody looking at the one guy standing. And then he said something. He said, bring him down. Bring him down here. It took six people to get me to the front. All of a sudden, I was praying with him in a chair and I felt again this rush and this flush of electricity so I knew it wasn't a man I knew there was something there there were no wires there was nothing I knew something supernatural had happened and uh, when I looked around the room I thought they whitewashed the place I thought who painted the building I mean it just seemed different it was as if the scales of my eyes were removed and everything looked different I didn't understand it but I couldn't deny it a couple of days later, I was on the phone with my mom. And in the conversation, she said, Jan, you, you sound so happy. You sound so at peace. What is different? She said, well, what is it? Maybe I can do it. I said, well, I wish you would, but I don't think you want to know this. She had scheduled for me to see rabbis. She had scheduled for me, I'd say five different rabbis, a psychiatrist, a psychologist. She had the whole thing set up for me. People ask me, how can you be Jewish and believe in Jesus? You can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus. And I asked them a question. I said, who told you that? They said, everybody knows that. I said, okay, everybody knows, but how do you know it? Have you ever studied it? No. Have you ever looked at it? No. Have you ever evaluated uh, to challenge it? No. And then they tell me, by the way, you're brainwashed. You believe whatever you're told. You can't think for yourself. So I continue to ask them, how do you know? And then finally it comes down to them saying, if he was really the Messiah, the rabbis would tell us. I said, so you know it because the rabbis told you? Yes. I said, so you never studied it, you never looked at it, you never evaluated it, you never had any cost involved, but the rabbis told you and you believe it. Who's brainwashed? You believe in Jesus? Are you out of your mind? You're not Jewish anymore. You are a traitor to your people. When I was about 10 or 11 years old, living in Chicago, uh, my father's parents, I was very close to them. They looked like two characters from the movie Fiddler on the Roof. And I would hang out at their house a lot, well, especially when my grandma was making a good bowl of kreplach soup. I said to my grandpa, Grandpa, I see that you have received from letters from your cousins in Romania. Would you someday like to go back and hang out with your cousins? And he said, no. I said, Grandpa, why? He said, Pogrom, the farmers who claimed to be Christians uh, in a city called Barlad, Romania, came looking for Jewish people to do them harm. And my grandpa and his sister and mother had to hide in the wine cellar. 
It was the the seventies. It was the John Travolta era. I was invited to go on the spring trip for the University of Illinois baseball team. It was very early on that I was called into pitch and relief. After our game, my roommate asked me if I would go with him to hear Billy Graham speak that night. I'll take a rain check. Jewish kids from Chicago don't do this kind of thing. My senior year, my friend again told me a famous lady was going to come speak. I said, "I'll tell you what. You tell me what this person has to say. I'll take a rain check." He said a lady named Corey Ten Boom. And her family were hiding Jewish people in the walls of their home. They actually got caught by the Nazis, and her whole family died, not only because of their Christian faith, but because of their love for Israel and the Jewish people. Something inside of me said, "Whatever the real deal is, this must be it." And so, when I was getting ready to pitch in my last game against the University of Michigan State, my friend Neil, after going for a run in the morning, comes into our apartment and blows my mind. Neil was Jewish. He said, "Sigs, I need to tell you something. After I read the Hebrew Scriptures and a careful examination of what it said, I've come to the conclusion: the Messiah has already come." I said, Neil, are you out of your mind? I said, you believe in Jesus? And I said, Neil, you're not Jewish anymore. He said, No, I'm a completed Jew, Jeff. He said, Jeff, if you read it for yourself, I believe you'll come to the same conclusions. What a dilemma! If God really had a son, I'm going to have to see in my book, not their book. I held that Tanakh up to heaven, and I prayed a prayer to God. I said, "God, can I have a burning bush experience like Moses?" One of the things that happened was I came to the book of Jeremiah, chapter thirty-one, verse thirty-one through thirty-four. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will enact a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. This new covenant, this new agreement, is for Jewish people. There's something to what my friend Neil said: new covenant, new testament. My mind was blown. I just fell on my knees in front of my bed as I was reading these verses, and I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, "Dear God, please enter my heart and please forgive me for the sins of my life." I said, Lord, I'm new at this. I don't know exactly how to do this, but I said I've longed for that personal relationship, and I realize that Yeshua Hamashiach is my burning bush experience. I said, Dad, after a careful examination of the Hebrew scriptures, I've come to the conclusion that the promised Jewish Messiah has already been here. He said, Son. You are a traitor to your people. You are no longer my son. What you have done, in my eyes, is worse than Adolf Hitler. Now this went on for 26 years, until a day came when my younger brother decided to go to church, and he gave his life to Yeshua. He said, "Could you do me a favor? Could you tell Dad the decision I made?" Now, in a 26-year time frame, 
my dad and I began to have a better relationship. And when I called my dad, I said, Dad, I need to tell you something. After a careful examination of the Hebrew Scriptures, my younger brother has also made the same decision that I made many years ago. My dad then began to cry. I received the shock of my life. It was only the second time in my life I ever heard him cry. The first time was when he hung the phone up on me, when he told me I wasn't his son anymore. And he began not only to cry, but he began to speak in the Hebrew language. He nanny God, he nanny, here I am, here I am. What would you have me to do? I said, Dad, do you want to give your life to Yeshua? He said, yes, I do. For the last two and a half years of his life, we were like best friends. And then the day came when my dad just went to heaven. On that day, when I announced to my father that I gave my life to Yeshua, and he said, you're not my son anymore, my life was turned upside down. But you see, God had a plan. And on that day, it may have seemed bleak, but the Lord saw the future.